Right, so picking up from verse 14, uh, we, didn't, uh, we didn't get to cover this section last week, so uh, uh, we, shall, we shall consider it uh, this, this week. So uh, this is the section regarding John the Baptist and uh, uh, his execution. So reading from verse 14 of chapter 6. Now Herod, King Herod heard of him, that's the, the Lord Jesus, uh, for his name had become well known. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. Others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is the prophet, or one like, like one of the prophets. But when Herod heard, he said, this is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and a holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Then an opportune day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a feast for his nobles the high officers and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias, Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. He swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. Immediately, she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry. Yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went out and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard it, they came and took away his corpse and lay it in a tomb. Well, I think we'll, we'll, we'll stop there and then we'll... We'll pick up uh, at verse 30 after we've kind of maybe considered uh, this, this, this section, first of all. So hopefully this morning we'll, we'll, we'll look at uh, the other signs that I was, that I was wanting to look at last week. We looked to, to these signs of God's glory and majesty's deity and that uh, there are other signs. Uh, but I think this, it's worthwhile as having a look at this section 
uh, first of all. So we're looking at the hardness and sinfulness of this, this man, Herod. Herod is hearing the miracles and the teachings of Jesus. He's hearing what Jesus is doing. And so people are sort of running around it. He's hearing these messages. People are saying, oh, it, it's, it's, it's Elijah. Elijah's come back. It, you know, and, they, and there was an expectation that Elijah was going to come back. Uh, and then maybe others are saying, you know, that, uh, uh, oh, it's, that pro- it's the prophet that M- Moses was, was thinking about. And, of course, we know that, you know, Jesus fulfills that prophecy. Jesus is that prophet that, that Moses was looking forward to back there when you see it in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Uh, but uh, with all these, these kind of sort of, if you like, fake news milling around, but uh, we see straight away, we see Herod, for Herod, he's got this in his mind. This is John the Baptist. John the Baptist has come back from the dead. So here, here is a, a man who uh, comes from an extremely dysfunctional, we would, we would say a dysfunctional family. You know, you, you remember, so, some of us might remember some of these uh, 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 TV series, you know, uh, back, I think it was in the 80s. I think one was called Dallas and the other was Dynasty. Now, you know, in America, you know, um, there, there was that, that kind of sort of popularity for shows like that. And, um, you know, there, there, there were these very powerful families in America oil magnets and things like that uh and it was all about the the really the 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 emotional personal mess of their lives all the all the chaos and that was going on uh, and of course uh, that that's what kept people watching you know i'm not uh, advocating that kind of television but that was very popular and and of course you could argue that's why people watch the soaps why people are addicted to watching soaps uh, on TV because it, it kind of shows people getting all messed up and convoluted relationships and things like that. Well, the, 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 the family of Herod the Great and Herod, the Herod here was the a son of Herod the Great. You know, I mean, what, a, what an absolute messy family situation they were. And uh, Herod was part of this mess and he kind of sort of continued this kind of sort of dysfunctional uh way of, of living and um we see that this this man uh and the hardness and sinfulness of this man's heart here in this passage and we see a, a man uh, i'm going to sort of look just very briefly at three things that we can say about herod this this morning now, Matthew Henry, who was a Bible commentator many years ago, made this statement, thinking about people um, like, perhaps like Herod, uh, who refused to hear the truth, as it were. Uh, and he says this, those who most woefully disbelieve the truth are commonly most credulous of errors and fancies. And and I guess that, that, that would... Uh, that would sum up Herod. Herod uh, um, is hearing the truth. He's, he's hearing um, John preach 
he's heard John and uh, and yet the, the truth doesn't sort of settle he doesn't he doesn't t- he doesn't embrace the truth and here now that that John is is gone John has been executed and he's hearing about what Jesus is doing and he's under this this misapprehension this idea oh it's John John's come back from the dead and uh, this 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 is Herod's situation so that there's three things that we see in this man that I think is worth us as considering this morning and I think there's so, some application for us we see three things Herod is a compromised man Herod is a compromised man and sexual sin is serious it, it's deadly and this is what we see with this man and uh, uh, the background to to this this story is that um, Herod the Great had been in a sense in his own right a king but then his sons uh, aren't really kings they're known as tetrarchs and uh, um, the Herod here Herod Antipas um, is visiting I think it was in Rome he's visiting his brother Philip and his wife Herodias and uh, uh, Herod falls for, for Herodias and uh, it seems to be mutual and so Herod divorces his wife that he had and uh, Herodias then leaves Philip uh, and so this is the kind of sort of convoluted mess and it was because it was they were all interrelated uh, but it was a quite a messy situation and so this is the background and so uh, John uh, in his ministries he's, we know that he was going around preaching we know that people were thinking you know he's, there was something about him that was like Elijah uh, and so he's he's going around preaching and he, he's, he's preaching to Herod himself and he's speaking to Herod very very in a very kind of very forthright way sort of reminding him that you know what you've done is wrong what what you've done is 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 serious sin before God you have violated the law of Moses and uh, you we, we don't need to turn to it but uh, uh, Leviticus I'm trying to think uh, the, the the chapter in Leviticus, but there is a uh, passage Leviticus 18. That's it. Leviticus 18, uh, verse 16, which could, which forbids a man to marry his his brother's wife. Uh, so th- this is this is uh, the sin, if you like, the violation of God's holy law that this man has has committed. And, and John is pointing out, he's calling out this sin. He's, he's calling him to account. And uh, we can think, you know, if, if, you, if you're into history, you can think of people in, certainly in English history, we think of Henry VIII and uh, his marriage to Catherine of Aragon. And that had been, she had been married to his older brother, Arthur. Arthur died, they were very young. And so uh, Catherine then is married to Henry. And after a while, Henry, because he hasn't had a, a male heir, and then he 
he sees uh, this lady, well, we know the sto story, don't we, Anne Boleyn, and he wants desperately to marry, to have Anne Boleyn, and so there's this the, the divorce that's arranged, and, uh, well, we know through history, you know, what, what kind of a man Henry VIII was, and there's probably parallels with Herod. Both men were very vain, probably very vain, very um, selfish, capricious, and uh, full of their own glory and getting their own way. And we know that Herod, uh, Henry VIII was, was really an immoral man. And Herod here, this Herod here, was an immoral man. He had, he had committed sins. He had uh, violated uh, God's holy law, as, as, as we see uh, laid out in Leviticus. Um, and he, you know, he, had, he had committed adultery with Herod, Herodias. And they were both, they were both, in a sense, guilty. And this just really shows us, you know, how when you have, when somebody has absolute power, then there's that, that, that temptation, that danger to, to commit sin. And he had committed sin. And John was calling him out. He was saying, you know, what you've done is wrong. And we, and we see this, this, this in, in the text, in verse 18, you know, where it says, you know, John, had, John said to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have uh, your brother's wife. And they were both probably uh, greatly uh, offended and uh, uh, angry with John. And, of course, the text here in, in, in Mark's Gospel particularly, points out that Herodias was angry. She wanted, you know, she wanted him out of the, the way. She didn't want to hear this truth, uh, this, this reality that John was bringing to them. And her and her daughter are obviously very scheming women, as, as we see in the, in, as the plot kind of thickens. And, you know, he's, he's, he's very much a compromised man. He has compromised himself. He has not acted as he should have been you know he's a leader of the people well he's a kind of sort of secular leader as it were uh but he he's a compromised man and he's he's been compromised by by Her herodias and her daughter uh and he's obviously obsessed with with being popular with 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 having approval of people and you know, you could could say that he he has been caught in a web of deceit. So he's 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 an immoral man. He's a man who has allowed himself to be compromised. And we we see that verse twenty three. You know, when he's put throwing up the putting on this great party, this the you know, and you know, he uh, Herodias's daughter does this dance, and and he says to her, "Well, whatever you ask me, whatever you ask me." you know, even up to half my kingdom, you know, so he's not really thinking, you know, th these are the words of, of, of a very foolish, compromised man, uh, who's obviously full of his own importance, full of what he can do, and uh, he's obviously a very vain man, and he's fallen into a trap, he's, you know, he, he's been caught in this web of deceit. 
so we see him as a conflicted man so he's compromised and he's a conflicted man and he he's a man who is now feeling his guilt he knows that the, he, he's guilty that what he has done by allowing the execution of, of John the Baptist who as the text here as the text tells us a good and just man and he was he was a man sent by God uh, as, as we, we you know a few weeks ago we looked at John the Baptist you know in his, his, his beginning of his ministry he's there baptizing the people uh, calling people to repentance and he baptizes the, the Lord Jesus Christ and he's that forerunner he's that you know sort of going ahead of the Lord Jesus Christ so he, he's as, as the text says a good and just man he's a man of God he, he's a man like Elijah um, we might remember Ahab and Jezebel you know those two characters and there's a lot of parallels between Ahab and Jezebel and uh, Herod and Herodias you know truly uh, uh, wicked wicked people uh, and deceitful people and uh, he's 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 certainly a conflicted man he's compromised and he's conflicted and we see this in the text you know he can't get John out of his mind he's hearing about the Lord Jesus but for him it's this this is John has come back you know and he's, he's just thinking about what he had done what he had allowed to happen and he's probably thinking that what John was saying is the truth uh, and yet what does he do with that truth so he's uh, he's a conflicted man and ultimately he's a condemned man he's under judgment and if you you don't need to turn to but if you you were to go to Luke 13 Luke chapter 13 which I think is a parallel to, to, to this, the, the events here. And there, verse 31, we see that, that the Pharisees coming to Jesus saying, flee, get out of here because Herod wants to kill you. And uh, so we pick up there, uh, verse 32, Jesus says to them, you know, and he said to them, go and tell that fox, referring to Herod. He says, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. And then verse 34. And these, these, these are wonderful words of the Lord Jesus Christ. At verse 34 there, Luke 13. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered you, your children together as a hen, gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. You were not willing. And look what powerful words from the Lord Jesus Christ. And Herod, like the religious leaders, uh, was hardened in his heart. And they were, in a sense, they were false shepherds to the people. Herod was not a true shepherd. And the, the religious leaders, as we know, were not false shepherds. And, and that's quite, a, that's quite a, 
a, a, a strong denunciation of a leader of your people when Jesus is calling him, well, go tell that fox. But Jesus, as that true prophet, as, you know, as the, the, the prophet, uh, if you, you know, prophesied by Moses, he is that prophet. And, you know, he's also a, a priest and a king. And he can, he can say those words. He can call, call out a leader like Herod and say, he, you know, tell that fox. And he's using that word um, really to describe just how wicked and e evil and deceitful this, this man was. So Herod uh, was a man who was compromised. He, he was ultimately he was conflict, conflicted inside, but he was condemned. He'd heard the truth, but he decided not to act on the truth. And he was, in a sense, a false shepherd uh, for the people. If you go to Jeremiah, and you don't need to necessarily turn to it, but if you want, you can. Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. And these, these, these are, these are well-known verses. Uh, Certainly for any evangelist, they're, they're well-known verses, which I'll read out to us. So Jeremiah chapter 17, and this kind of really sums up Herod. So chapter 17, verse 3, 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, sick or desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So the contacts there in Jeremiah, uh, obviously, is the on ongoing persistent sins, compromise and idolatry of the people of Judah, particularly the rulers and those in authority in Jerusalem, those who were trusting in man, who would look look to anywhere, look to Egypt, wherever, for, for help when it was needed, uh, look, looking uh, at other gods perhaps for, for help and not the Lord. Uh, but, we, we, you know, we, we, we see in these verses, these verses apply to, to any, any wicked, in any person who is, who is in sin. And it, and it applies to Herod, to Herod's heart, because his heart was deceitful above all things. And the case of Herod, in a sense, is a very tragic one. Um, but what, we, what we're reminded when we look at those verses from Jeremiah is that the Lord sees everything. The Lord sees the heart. The Lord sees what other people do not see. And there were people probably at that, that, that feast, that party that Herod had thrown, they probably thought Herod was a, a great guy. He was, you know, he was trying to be pop, possibly popular with, with all those who were in authority. And, and you know, uh, as we see there, there was lots of important people at that that gathering. Um, but the Lord sees through everything. He sees through the, the the pomp and the and the and the worldly grandeur. And um, it, you know, if 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 there was television around in those days. I, I'm sure you know. You know there, there was a, an Israeli TV company. They could have probably done a soap opera based on the, on, on Herod, on Herod and his family. And you know, uh, you know, 
it's all there. You know, you don't, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, when you look at these TV programs, as I said, and uh, these soap operas, there's nothing new. And and Herod and his family, well, you know, you, you, you know, they, they would be sort of prime examples for that kind of thing. But the Lord sees, the Lord sees everything. He sees through all that. He sees the heart. And thinking back to that, that passage in Jeremiah, yes, the Lord tests the heart. He tests our heart. He sees through what is real in, 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 in our own hearts. And what what we really what we're really valuing what what is what is our our, our chief uh, motivations and affections what we, we what we idolize he sees it now for herod that man he was compromised and he had committed sexual sin the lord sees through that that into that that heart and as the, the verse 10 of jeremiah 17 says you know, the Lord will give to every man according to the fruit of his deeds. And if if we if we are, are living, if we're going in that kind of direction, if, we, if our trajectory through life is going to be like that of Herod's, then, you know, one day, you know, the Lord's going to expose, you know, you know, uh, the, the fruit of our deeds. They're not, it's going to be bad fruit. It's not going to be good fruit. Uh, so... Herod uh, teaches us something. It teaches us that it, when we hear wise counsel, when people come and, and, and we hear wise counsel, if, we're, if they are perhaps tempted to go down a wrong route in some way, when the Lord sends wise counsel, we ought to listen, not be like Herod. We ought to take heed. And uh, yeah, we might not be... And in a position of power like Herod, but the sins that he 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 committed, you know, they're sins of the heart, and they can affect any, certainly any man uh, and any woman. I mean, we we don't know about Herodias apart from you know obviously what we see here. We see her deeds, the fruit of her deeds. Well, they they weren't good deeds at all. Her heart was obviously desperately wicked, and. Uh, you know, she she too was was uh, you know uh, under judgment uh, by by the Lord. So there there, there is a, a lesson for us here. Uh, whatever age we are, you know, and particularly if we're young, you know, because obviously we're going to be going into in, in life and uh, and so forth. Uh, we we need to take heed to good godly advice when god sends it god you know obviously provided john the baptist to be there and john and he was saying look what you're doing is wrong and uh, it was ultimately going to be words of condemnation because herod didn't take heed to him proverbs 19 proverbs 19 says this and there's many many examples that we could turn to in the book of proverbs but verses 20 to 20 one instructs us in this way uh, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future many other plans in the mind of a man but it is the purpose of the lord 
that will stand. So those are are good, you know, are good words to take hold of, isn't it? You know, that when we hear good sound advice, you know, accept instruction and and take heed to it and to apply it, um, even if it's necessarily maybe running against what, what we want at the time or where, you know, we're thinking, well, I want to do this or, you know, or something like that. If we are, if we're facing temptation, if we hear God, God has sent us uh, wise counsel, let us hold on to it. You know, we might have many plans. And Her- Herod had plenty of schemes probably throughout his career. I mean, I think that as a family, they, they were up to all kinds of hijinks. Uh, as we as we can say, uh, but but the Lord Lord sees everything ultimately, as as He saw with Herod, uh, and, and it's God's purposes ultimately that will stand. So the Lord sees everything, the utmost hearts and desires of the heart. Uh, so, uh, as the disciples, as we read from last week went out and they were preaching and they were calling people to repentance they were doing many signs and wonders uh, to accompany that teaching calling people to repentance many would have heard that message and there would have been some that would have refused it they would have rejected it and uh, um, John the Baptist was was really a sign and sense for, for Herod Herod chose to reject it and uh, uh, I think the conclusion that Mark desires us to, to sort of come to in, in his passage here is ultimately is to recognize, you know, the prophetic office of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is that prophet. He is that, that, that prophet to come. And uh, uh, the thing with Herod and others, that they re- refuse to, ex- to accept it. And then just a final, just as we sort of kind of maybe finish off that, that section, just to make this, this point, uh, and it's a very practical point um, for us, is that we ought to pray for those in leadership. So that, that's in the church and in, sec, in sec, secular leadership, you know, and that includes those who are leaders over us now, people in uh, local government, people in, in, in important positions, right up to um, uh, Boris Johnson and his cabinet, and even the royal family. We ought to be praying for them that they take heed to good advice, that they, they take heed, that they hear and accept and put into practice good advice when they hear it, that they will be actually making godly decisions. And I think it's, it's perhaps a, a kind of challenge here for us that we ought to be praying for our leaders, that they don't, they don't become like Herod, they don't become compromised, conflicted and condemned, that they, they will be making good and wise decisions and turning away from decisions that might lead to compromise. Uh, so I think there's, there's perhaps, um, you know, a, a challenge, you know, I'll just put out, out to us that uh, we ought to be, you know, I'm sure some of us are praying uh, already, but to continue praying 
for, for those who are in leadership over us. So we're just moving on now to verse 30 to verses 30, uh, 44. So just picking them up verse 30. Uh, so we, 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 we're sort of leaving that sort of uh, the passage with John the Baptist and, you know, just there at um, 29, the disciples are returning to Jesus, they're telling him what, what has happened and what, they, uh, what they've, they've, they've done and taught. Uh, Jesus is, is saying to them, you know, uh, and again, this is the, the wisdom of the Lord Jesus, where he's saying, come away to a, to a, a quiet place and to rest he's he's um what concern for them because of all that the, the ministry that they've been doing and all that's probably taken place for them they're probably saying that the, the good things that's happened people who have been healed and people who have responded to that message of repentance um but they need that rest and, and i guess there's a, a lesson for us that we we need to uh you know, recharge the batteries, as it were. And that was Jesus's concern for them. And they're not necessarily going to get that break straight away, uh, as we see. Um, so picking up at, uh, uh, let's pick up at verse 32. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitudes, so remember the multitudes, they're always there, people seeking after Jesus and the disciples. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy, buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give, it, give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make, make them all sit in groups on, on the grass. So they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And he took up twelve baskets full of fragments of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. So a lot of men there. And this is this is uh, one of our signs that we're look, we're seeing in this this chapter. Perhaps I think this is the. I think the third or fourth sign, you know, that this this miraculous feeding of the, these 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 uh, five thousand uh, people, and uh, we see here a great miracle of provision, and uh, so so much out of so little. You know, the Lord is kind of in the text; He's testing, 
you know, the disciples. He's testing their faith. And of course, later on, we're going to see that they didn't quite, the penny doesn't drop for them quite. But nonetheless, he, 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 he does this miracle by taking so, you know, this so little, only the two loaves and, and the, the, the loaves and the fishes. And all the 5,000, and it says men, so they could have been children and wives there as well. Uh, and so we see this great miracle of provision and we see the compassion. So verse 34, it, it's, a very, it's a very significant, I think for the, the, the whole passage, it's very significant, isn't it? When, you know, when he came up, he saw the multitude and was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. They were without, uh, they, they were without a shepherd. And of course, we already see that um, those leaders that were there for them weren't true shepherds for them. But of course, we know who Jesus is, don't we? We know that Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. Of course, if we go across to John's gospel, uh, we see that. Not only is John uh, Jesus the good shepherd, uh, that uh, he is that eternal bread of life that comes down from heaven. He is that bread. He's giving them, in a sense, he's providing this this, this miracle to meet them materially. So they, they're all getting bread. Um, and this is a wonderful sign, a sign that the disciples don't really kind of sort of pick up on. They don't They don't see it. Uh, straight away uh, but Jesus is the one is that bread that eternal bread and we see this in John John chapter uh, 6 uh, verses 35 following um, which is kind of like a parallel to what is happening here Jesus said to them I am the bread of life whoever comes to me shall not hunger whoever believes in me shall never thirst but i said to you that you have seen me and you do not believe all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me i will never cast out for i have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me and this is the will of him who sent me that i should lose nothing of all that he has given me but shall raise it up at the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. What wonderful words. And so, in a sense, this is who Jesus is. He is that good shepherd. He's, he's the true shepherd. All, all, all the leaders, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, um, they would they were they were false shepherds jesus is that true shepherd and he is that true bread that has come down from heaven and and jesus was 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 teaching the people this is probably what he perhaps he what he, he he was teaching them about himself that he is that that eternal that eternal bread that all who look to him all who in a sense taste of him will have uh, eternal life 
well i think uh, i'll probably leave it there i think uh, uh as i go into chapter seven next week i'll probably sort of uh, uh pick up uh, with jesus walking on the water which is i think the final sign that uh, we're going to look at but uh, i think we'll leave it there and uh, i hope that uh, there's been uh, um uh, food for thought for you this morning it, it, from chapter chapter six there's a lot there and uh, uh we we can perhaps uh, just pick up as we're, we're thinking about chapter seven um we can kind of look at jesus walking on the water but i think there's there's enough there for us to sort of savor and sort of uh meditate on uh the, this morning so if if i can pray for us uh, and then we'll move on loving heavenly father we we ask that you you would grant us uh, that understanding of your your holy word or that uh, you would uh, uh, through your holy spirit challenge us uh, and call us to yourself to uh, sort of rise out of, of of sleep and spiritual sleep and slumber and apathy and hardness of heart that we might uh, seek after you in a, that deeper way, that we might uh, uh, come to you as that, that eternal bread that has come down, that that true shepherd uh, uh, that, that uh, uh, we need, that we might uh, do that, that we might uh, be encouraged and challenged uh, to, to flee sin and, and compromise, that we might uh be 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 stirred up to to serve you and to love you in a deeper way uh this day and this coming week lord we we thank you for your precious word we thank you that it is uh a sharper than a double-edged sword and father we ask lord that uh, uh we uh, might truly feed on it and be fed and to be challenged uh, uh, by the, these words and, and these pas the, the passages what we've heard today. Amen.